Welcome back to Ether Hour, everybody. I am your host, Conrad Franz, joined as always by Dimitri Kaligan. We have a great show for you today. We're back with another Q&A. So prepare, you know, you have sent in your questions on our Q&A thread on Substack on worldwarnow.substack.com, worldwarnow.co. We got a lot of questions this time, so it seems that people want us to keep doing these. And again, like we said, we're going to try to do these on a monthly basis. But again, it's been a while since we've had an Ether Hour, so thank you so much for sticking around and not, you know, unsubbing for those of you. There's a few of you did, so, you know, curses be upon you and your household, right? But all of you that have stuck around, thank you so much, and uh, I think we're going to get right into your questions. Dimitri, how are you doing? Doing great, Conrad, and I think without further delay, I think we should provide the people their content and answer some of these great questions because there are so many of them and there's so much variety here because we've only in full looked over them just this morning so in fact uh you know i think we'll just have to answer them all quite in full and see what we can get so the first question will be from felicia vent and she asks conrad tell us what impressed you most about russia and would you consider emigrating should the u.s deteriorate further and then the question is for you both we are cradle orthodox greeks born and live in south africa things are really not good here and greece is not an option considering the volatility in europe right now we are considering taking a trip to russia to investigate the possibilities in terms of lifestyle affordability and business opportunities in order to hopefully move there any suggestions in terms of specific locations we should look at initially and since we don't speak russian would that would that be a major obstacle so I guess, Conrad, the first question, what impressed you most about Russia and would you consider immigrating there should the U.S. deteriorate further? I think that's directed at yourself, sir. Yeah, no, thank you for thank you for asking about my, my trip, Felicia. We appreciate it. But yeah, I mean, I was very impressed with Russia. Of course, I was only in Moscow, so I wasn't able to properly survey the hinterlands per se, but I, I met people from out there and they had nothing but positive things to say. And of course, I would say the main thing is you really can't feel the the sanctions or the pressure, everything, food is cheap, obviously, energy is really cheap, hotels were cheap, all sorts of things like that. Obviously, the exchange rate on the ruble is pretty good with dollars, so things like that can go a long way. I don't know how that is with South African currency, but I was definitely impressed. Uh, the Christmas markets were beautiful. Now that it's, you know, Christmas time, it's a beautiful, beautiful time to go there. They have it all very Christianized, very set up celebrating the birth of our Savior, and Red Square itself was a huge Christmas market. You know, St. Basil's, you can still, you can go inside and everything. And it was, it was very fantastic. It was definitely a, I'm hoping to go back. And as far as myself considering emigrating, it's definitely on the list of places I would like to move if I had to flee the United States. There's a few other countries on that list, Cyprus, Montenegro, you know, maybe somewhere in Southeast Asia, depending on how things go there. Argentina, perhaps, I don't know about these days, but, you know, depending on the situation, Uruguay, Chile, you know, the the cone of South Af South America. But as far as emigrating to Russia, I love Moscow and it's great, but if I were to move to Russia, I'd probably move a bit farther south to Crimea or somewhere like that. And I mean, I'm bullish on the new territories in the next few decades being good places to live. So, you know, that's my take. But as far as moving to South Africa, obviously, cradle orthodox, that's good. But learning Russian, I would say Dimitri would agree, like, you're going to have to learn Russian if you're going to live in Russia. Like, that's that's definitely just not it's not an option to not learn Russian. You can't survive without knowing Russian properly. You won't be part of <clears throat> you won't be part of the society if you don't know Russian. And a lot of people there don't speak English. Like besides Montenegro, besides like deep inner, you know, non-coastal Montenegro, I'd never been to a place where, you know, you kind of had to assume people don't speak English. Like I've been to France, Italy, Spain. Most people there, especially in the cities or where tourists go, they can all speak English. 
Whereas in Russia, there's definitely people that speak English in Moscow in particular, but you can't assume that. Like, there's cab drivers, zero English. People at restaurants, waitresses at restaurants, absolutely zero English, you know. So, you know, you can't even get along at all in certain situations. So if you go, be sure that you have somebody that you know that speaks Russian there to help you. And uh, reach out to me. Obviously, we know people like Father Joe, Father Joseph Gleason. He has a whole thing. You know, his whole Substack is moving to Russia. So be sure you can reach out to him, and he would he would love to help people come to Russia. He thinks that's a great idea. But Dmitry, I'm sure you have a take on emigrating to Russia from. I mean, South Africa. That's kind of a no. Sorry, Felicia. That's kind of a no-brainer. You know about white people getting out of South Africa. But as far as other Western countries, your thoughts, Dmitry? Yeah, I think it's a completely valid question. Well, Conrad, firstly, it's it's good to hear that your trip went well, and like um, some you know, some first thoughts. I think those are really great, and it's it's almost like this real opportunity that I guess I guess not many people get, especially now that things are getting are getting really heated up. It's hard to get visas for different reasons. Flights are expensive. You have to get redirections, things like that. So definitely a very rare and awesome opportunity that you received. But Felicia, your question is very um, apt. I think these days a lot of people are looking for places of refuge not just for themselves but also for their families because they don't want to raise their families in places where you know you go to school society pressures you know places pressure on the children and the, your children grow up in ways which uh, say you don't want them to you know grow up in for example like obviously we know the entire um, lgbtq alphabet community uh issue happening at the moment in what in most western countries which are really well developed countries you can say and like technology is a really high level and you can make a lot of money very quickly a, a lot more than saying even in russia but you do have to pay the price in terms of social society uh just the social interaction and culture itself and naturally your spiritual life will suffer in the west i mean that's undoubtedly so meanwhile in russia Perhaps the money situation is a bit more difficult, which I think is probably the first and foremost consideration before moving to Russia. It's not even enough. I think the real struggle is not so much around where would you live, because you could live like, a, as Conrad mentioned, Father Joseph in the Yaroslavsky Oblast up north, so more or less in the countryside between Moscow and St. Petersburg, and you know, in that sort of neat countryside spot where the land is really cheap right and you can actually maybe afford you know afford really comfortable living for a fraction of the price you'd pay in any western country including even you know south africa like a commonwealth country a former land of the british empire but i would say um i would say definitely the first focus should be on exactly what career path would say for example your husband or your significant other, or if both spouses work, where would you work? Which particular field? Would you do farming? Would you work in a certain business? Would you work in IT? Would you work as school teachers? Things like that. Find where find employment first, especially given the, you know, the sort of worldly recession we're moving into now. It's not guaranteed that even that Russia will have jobs for many people. So I think doing that research ahead of time is even more important than choosing where to live. Because again, as Conrad said, like Russia is very Russia is very great anywhere you live, even Moscow, even the worst suburbs of Moscow, you'll have an amazing church next to you, right? It's like almost every second street has a church. So the spiritual side of things is not even an issue. It's like you'll always have multiple priests, multiple churches, parishes to choose from. It's more about what will fit your particular case. And I think that's the research that needs to be done. But definitely learning Russian is a big deal. And, you know, that goes into the entire business lifestyle side of things. But I think that's the first and foremost uh, part of the research you would probably need to do. And also learning the language, I think, is a must. Absolutely. Especially in terms of living comfortably and sort of getting along. And so the locals could kind of get used to you as well. Because again, Russian people are somewhat conservative. So it is that sort of, just imagine you're moving back into like 
maybe the 1950s or 1960s and you don't speak the local language so the attitude i'm not saying russians are racist or discriminatory but they still have that view of like okay so you're a foreigner or you know they, they don't have that same appeal to multicultural you know the multi multicultural immigrants as maybe some western countries do which are a bit more accepting i'm not saying that's a good thing that's just the reality on the ground they're a bit more skeptical of newcomers but that's okay i think in general they're very friendly so yeah, I would say on that regard, you know, people say that, oh, they're not, Russians aren't as friendly, they're not going to be as friendly to you on the street and everything, and sure, there's perhaps a little more of just a reserved, you know, subtle coldness that you don't see maybe in Mediterranean countries or something like that, but I was specifically told, that, like, oh, the people at the bank will be totally mean to you, and that just wasn't true, the people at the bank were perfectly normal, perfectly nice, you know, girls will smile to you at, if you're ordering at a restaurant, you know, it's not like you know, some crazy, you know, weird place where nobody smiles. It wasn't like that at all. It's just, you know, it's just a little bit different. It's really nothing crazy in that regard. But to, I guess, finish off Felicia's general inquiry, you might know more about this than me, Dimitri. I'm not the most well-versed. It says, what is the law in Russia in terms of civilian firearm carry? In South Africa, we have the luxury, thankfully, most of us are licensed carriers. Obviously, I'm in America. I live in Texas, so I can carry concealed without a license, which is nice. But the situation in Russia, I know that it's, it's better than a lot of Europe, but it's definitely not as unrestricted as America. I don't know how it compares to South Africa, though. I think it's a great question. Um, in Russia at the moment, it's it's quite quite easy. It may take a couple of months to, in order to obtain, say, a traumatic pistol, which is a very small caliber firearm. And you can actually, you know, in about six months time, have a license to carry a traumatic pistol, you know, for not self-defense purposes, but simply just to have the license on you to carry one. But in terms of actually uh, any caliber larger than that or, you know, any weapon that more serious, it is a bit more difficult because, yes, Russia has the sim very similar restrictions since the Soviet days. You do need a proper safe in your house. You do need the police to have the firearm registered. You do need a psychology report, you know, kind of test your mental health, make sure it's all right. All of these checks and balances do come into play. So it may take, you know, it, and of course, citizenship, things like that. It may take about six to eight months in order to actually obtain you know, obtain the safe, obtain all the checks uh, in order before you can get your either, you know, hunting rifle, uh, whatever, some sort of, not, I'm not saying military grade rifle, right? Which again is a vague term in the US, the debate's still going on what exactly is an assault, an AR or something like that. I think those would be even further restricted in Russia, for example. And naturally, holding firearms illegally is a huge, a huge offense. So you'd want, if you would want something like a pistol or a traumatic pistol, those can easily be obtained. But again, it's about, I would say, minimum three months if you do everything correctly. And again, the paperwork is very tedious as well. So three to eight months, I would say. But yes, unfortunately, in Russia, it is still incredibly restrictive, unlike before the revolution, when you can essentially, when Russia had essentially a Second Amendment, where you could essentially carry firearms, especially outside of cities. It was uh, quite common and people would you know, have sabers, have pistols, you know, uh, shotguns, things like that, rifles. So Yeah, we, we mm -hmm. talk about that in the... Pinhas Rutenberg, you know, Pogrom's episode of Ether Hour, how in Odessa in these places, like, there literally was no... It's not like you could just have guns and stuff. You could have, like, cannons, Gatling guns, you know, people, like, like people were just making kind of their own militias. And, you know, the empire was so vast and certain... There was just such revolutionary energy in a lot of this... In this era, you know, post-Marxism and with these Jewish groups that it was, you know, it led to a lot of armed fighting and with highly militarized factions in cities and whatnot, which... You know, I don't think that's an argument against arming the people or anything. I think it's just an argument against. Well, listen to the episode. We, you know, we know what it's an argument against. But the um, unless you have any, as far as the uh, firearms in Russia go, yeah, I definitely 
I mean, there's definitely. I also didn't see like our people like, oh, you go to Russia, it's like a military state. Like, unless you're in Red Square, you won't even see like quote unquote military police. And even then, it's just like two people in some like winter camo walking around. It's not like they have again. It's not like they have long guns or anything. Like, sure, they have guns like American police, but there there was really no feeling of military occupation or it's like all oh, the country is at war. It honestly didn't really feel like that. So. That kind of is a good answer to the question on the firearms path. But, Dimitri, what other... Where should we go next on this Q&A here? I think uh, we'll splice it up and we'll get back to... This is probably the coolest question I found, right? And I think from here on in, we'll, we can move further, deeper into the question. So, a question from Mike, and thank you, Mike, for this. Favorite Byzantine emperor and why? Conrad, I'll let you answer first, Okay. Thank you so much for listening to the free preview of Ether Hour, everybody. Be sure to get behind the paywall to hear the whole thing. We get into our favorite Byzantine emperors, uh, the situation with the EP and his jurisdiction, uh, the situation in Ukraine and Russia. We talk about space and the ISS. We talk about the biblical origin of races. We talk about all sorts of interesting stuff. So get behind the paywall. You can ask us a question in the next Q&A if you get behind there and get access to all the previous episodes of Ether Hour. So again, thank you so much for the support. And yeah, get behind the paywall, get all the information, get everything, and yeah, we'll see you in the next one. God bless. Thanks for listening.